Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Tom Power. Uh, Welcome to Q. This is cool. I don't know if you heard this news. The classical soprano Diantha Edmonds was just made a member of the Order of Canada. If you're listening to this outside of Canada, that's pretty much the highest accolade one can get as a Canadian. I want to play you a little bit of what Diantha sounds like because what a voice. What shapes us, blood or land or words? Wherever we journey, we want to be heard. How will you? Just beautiful voice. But more than just a voice, Diantha is also an important figure in classical music in this country right now. Diantha is Canada's first Inuk professional classical singer. She grew up in Cornerbrook uh, with a white Irish mother and an Inuk father from Hopedale in Nunatsiavut, which is the homeland of the Labrador Inuit. Diantha made headlines when she performed an aria from Handel's Messiah in Inutitut. I, I said in front of her uh, when, I, when I did this introduction for her that that was the first time that Handel's Messiah had been sung in Inutitut, and she corrected me, and that led to a really interesting conversation about, I'll say, the forgotten history of classical music and the Labrador Inuit. Anyway, I was home in Newfoundland in Labrador the other week. I was extending my Christmas break a little bit. And I was so happy that Diantha, who actually lives in St. John's, came into the studio there during a snowstorm so we could have this conversation. I'll say even if classical music isn't your thing, there's so much to get out of this. I mean, how Diantha felt drawn to classical music but didn't know why. The classical music her dad vaguely remembered hearing in Hopedale. What that music turned out to be and how it changed her life and led to her singing that music in the small church her dad attended and how it ultimately led to her becoming a member of the Order of Canada. I really enjoyed this conversation. So here it is, my conversation from St. John's with Deantha Edmonds. How are you? I'm great, thank you, Tom. I'm so happy to be here today to chat. Well, congratulations. Nakumik. How do you make what, what do you make of it? Uh, I really am still in disbelief. Uh, the morning that I got the call, I was over at my mom's house having coffee, just, you know, relaxing a little bit. And... Uh, I think it was like an out of body experience. I just couldn't believe couldn't believe it. And I'm still uh over the moon about it. It's so touching to be recognized for who I am and what I do. Um so it means a lot. What did they tell you? Uh they they told me that uh I was you know, I don't even really remember. <laughs> like I can't I can't because while she was telling me in my head, I was like, is this real? Who's she? Who's the one who oh, tells you? Oh, sorry. Uh, she was uh, from the um, office of the governor general. Okay, so it's not, it's not the governor general herself. No. So someone from the, the governor general's office calls you. Yes. Says, you're going you're, you're gonna to be in. Yes. And you're thinking to yourself, is this even real? Yes, exactly. Literally, exactly. I was, I was listening to her, and I understood what she was saying, but I, I, it didn't, I couldn't process 
couldn't process the reality of it. Um, so I'm still kind of in that place, but just so happy. And it's especially meaningful because Mary Simon is such an inspirational Inuk and uh, and. <laughs> I get kind of emotional because it does mean so much. I, I, I understand it fully. And we're going to talk a little bit about, about Mary Simon and getting to sing for her a little bit later in our conversation. But I, I want to kind of go back to the beginning. Um, tell me a little bit about how uh, music came into your life. Sure. Um, well, I'll start with my parents. Uh, my father, Albert Edmonds, who passed away about five years ago, he was born and raised in Hopedale, Labrador, in Nunatsiavut, um, which is the ancestral homeland of Labrador Inuit. And uh, when he was studying at Mun here in St. John's, uh, he met my mother, who's an Irish Newfoundlander, and they made a life together. They raised my siblings and I in beautiful Corner Brook on the West Coast, and our home was filled with music, lots of different kinds of music. Uh, my father played guitar and sang, um, and he was one of those people that could just kind of sit at the piano and figure figure things out. Um, he had an excellent ear for music, a beautiful singing voice. What did he, what did he like to sing? What did he like to play? Uh, country, rock. Oh, yeah. He was in a rock band when he was uh, studying at Munn, and I believe they were called The Crystals. The Crystals? Yes. And um, <laughs> I think that he used to play in his sock feet. So he, <laughs> he was he was really um, a brilliant person. Right. His nickname, actually, when he was uh, at the dorms um, at school in Northwest River, um, his nickname was Albert Schweitzer or Einstein because ah. he was really a really uh, brainy person, um, an amazing memory, and an uh, amazing hunger for knowledge. He was always learning, always pushing himself, um, so interested in the world. And so there was a lot of different kind of music in our house growing up. And my parents encouraged us when we showed interest in playing piano or singing in choirs. And I really couldn't wait till I got to grade three because that was the year I could be in glee club at my elementary school. Right. And listening to the choir when I was younger, when my sister sang in it, um, I just couldn't wait to be old enough to do that. And my father talked about the choirs in church when he was growing up in Hopedale. He talked about the beautiful Nain Choir, which had been uh, recorded, and um, and he spoke about the instruments that were uh, in the church in Hopedale, stringed instruments, violins, and brass instruments. And I didn't understand when I was growing up, when he was telling me about this beautiful music, um, I didn't understand that some of it was actually by great European composers like Mozart and Bach and Handel. Uh, so when I first learned about that in my 30s, I, I couldn't believe it because I loved music. As a child, I did pursue lessons and I worked hard at it. I loved it. I always felt like I was my most... Uh, how would I say it, my best self or my truest self when I was singing. And uh, 
I always knew I wanted to be a singer yeah. and a music teacher and a writer and a mom. And so I'm very happy to be able to do all of those things. Yeah. So I pursued classical singing after high school. Did you know, when did you know you were, you were good at it? When did, did, when did you know you had a bit of a gift for it? When I was quite young. Someone told you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had a wonderful music teacher at school. I was just always singing around the house, making up songs, singing to my baby brother. Yeah. Um, making up songs with my friends. Uh, so Did you have the big vibrato even then? Did you have the big... I had a, I had a, a bit of a, a vibrato, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that we was had... always the thing growing up, though. You could always tell someone was going to be a good singer <laughs> when we were in grade six or seven because they had the vibrato more than any of us. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, yeah, and, and my parents have... Uh, cassette tapes of you know when i was really little singing songs that i learned at at school and uh i listened to them probably 20 years ago or so and i i i did think wow okay, okay. i i was pretty good and you, and you liked it and you liked classical I music i loved it i loved it i loved it um in choir in elementary school our music teacher uh rosalie elliott um, taught us Mozart's Ave Verum Corpus, mm. and uh, I just loved when she explained how to pronounce the Latin and what the prayer meant and um, how to grow through the music and where to breathe and the phrasing. Um, and I really just loved the feeling of that, mm. of joining voices with my classmates and being led by her. She was my first piano and singing teacher. Mm. Uh, so after school one day a week, my I would walk down the street to her house and she would make country time lemonade yeah. and give me cookies. Yeah. And she was Great for the voice. <laughs> Excellent, <laughs> yes. You heard it from Order of Canada member Dan Thammons. If you want to sing like her, country time lemonade and cookies is the... Is, is really healthy. That really healthy. Um, did you go? To, did you go to school uh, for? Where did you go for school for for music after high school? I studied at Acadia University, um, which is where I got uh, some of my uh, voice training. Um, but before that, I had an amazing teacher in Cornerbrook, Wayne Rogers. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was about eleven or twelve, eleven, Mrs. Elliott uh, told me that she thought I needed a more advanced teacher for singing. And I was heartbroken because I adored her so much. But Mr. Rogers, uh, he taught me my first real classical song um, in German, Heidnudersline by Schubert. Mm-hmm. And I loved these nice high high notes, these Gs, and um, telling the story in a different language. And I just fell in love with it. I really did. And so I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do. Mm. So I did study at Acadia, and then I moved to Montreal, where I studied privately with a with an amazing opera teacher there. Mm-hmm. Um, and over, you know, over the years, I would pursue workshops and lessons with uh, visiting artists wherever I lived um, so that I could continue working on working on my voice and my technique. Um, because I actually spent... Most of my time in the past 30 years uh, teaching, teaching uh, children and teenagers piano and singing. Right. And um, it's honestly only been the past not even 10 years that I've made it 
uh, made it a goal to be more of a performer. What what spurred that? This is uh, where things changed for me. Um, about 15 years ago, I learned about the research of Dr. Tom Gordon, who uh, my, is... My teacher. He was my um, music professor in first year or second year university mm -hmm. when I went to Memorial. He was my 20th century music professor. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. And he was the dean of music here at Mon. Yeah, at when that I was time. there. Yeah. So he spent many years researching the... Uh, Moravian archives and the music in the churches of Nunatsiavut. And I learned of his research and got in touch with him. Can you take people through what, what, you, what you're referring to there? I know because, sure. of, the, because of school and all that. Talk, sure. talk, us, talk us through that. Oh, yes. So the music that I mentioned earlier that my father talked about, the choirs and the brass and the strings, um, this was part of and is part of Labrador Inuit religious and community life. Um, missionaries of the Moravian faith went from, I believe, Germany to the north coast of Labrador just over 250 years ago. And they brought these instruments with them. They brought handwritten manuscripts of music by Mozart and Bach and Handel and Haydn and, and other composers. The music was translated into Inutitut. And Labrador Inuit not only learned how to play and perform this music, over time they transformed it mm. into something that truly belongs to them. Um, so you mentioned uh, in the intro that when I sang in the Messiah Complex, a uh, Handel aria from the Messiah in Inuktitut, that wasn't actually the first time that's been done because... Handel's Messiah, there were pieces of it being sung by Labrador Inuit in church over 200 years ago in Inuktitut. In Nunatsivu. Mm -hmm. So you find out about this history of, um, and I, I love the way y you put that, um, that the Moravian missionaries come to Canada and the, the historical narrative that we're, we're used to is that they bring classical music. They bring mm -hmm. brass instruments, mainly some string instruments, and they bring music. But the, the interesting thing about the, the story of the Moravians and the, and the Labrador Inuit in Nunatsivut, as, as Deantha mentions there, is that there is a tremendous cultural exchange. And then it becomes, uh, th through that cultural exchange, that becomes the music of a lot of, of Labrador Inuit. So when you find out about that, you have this you have this sort of like interesting classical music that doesn't really make sense to you, I'm guessing, as a kid. And all your other friends like pop and rock music. Yeah. Your dad is talking about this classical music that he's listening to, that he remembers from when he was a kid in, in Hopedale. And you're singing and you're performing and you're teaching mainly. And you find out about this music that is, not to put this on you, but the kind of of you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that must be pretty meaningful. Neanta. Absolutely. Um, I remember thinking, this is the music for me. And uh, the first uh, copy of music that um, Dr. Gordon sent to me was I Know That My Redeemer Liveth from Handel's Messiah. And he told me that um, in the historical records, the only community uh, that that aria was sung on traditionally on Easter Sunday was in Hopedale, which is the community my father was from. Wow. And so wow. I thought... 200 years ago, 150 years ago, was it one of my uh, ancestors singing oh this? Lord. And how did it sound different? Do we sound the same? 
really, really special. So when I when I found this music and started learning uh, some of the pieces, uh, it connected different parts of myself that I didn't, I wasn't aware, um, went together. Do Do you know? Do you remember the translation of that in Inuktitut? The How do you feel? when you sing these pieces of music in Inuititu? Well, from a young age, I really always loved singing sacred music in general. Um, the reason I loved singing sacred music uh, from a young age yeah. is because it feels less of a performance, um, me performing on a stage, to an offering, yeah, um, a prayer, an offering, an intention. I've heard a lot of like um, folks who sing sacred music say that to me. Yes, that's easier to embody or something like yes. that. You know, you're giving something of yourself, something of your spiritual self, as opposed to having to like perform, absolutely a, perform a narrative. It kind of yeah. quiets the voice yeah. in your head that's yeah. saying, "Do it this way, yeah. do it yeah. that it's way." It's coming and from somewhere else. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay. And so the experience of singing sacred music in Inuktitut and knowing that um, this is an important part of music history and my ancestry it is it is difficult to describe i feel much more grounded mm. um i feel like it's coming from a deeper place yeah and i feel more peaceful when i'm singing it I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q, and you're listening to my conversation with Deantha Edmonds, who is the first Inuk professional opera singer and a recent member of the Order of Canada. That first part of, like, first professional Inuk opera singer first was on my mind, and I asked her a little bit about it. What I, what I love about this story is, I mean, a, a lot, but um, one of the things I was thinking about asking you when you, when you come in, when you came in, was... You know, oftentimes when you hear people talk about being called the first, there's a great burden attached to that. You know, I've spoken to a lot of people who are the first X to do to do Y. And, you know, often you're referred to as the first Inuk professional classical soprano. And you are. But um, and one of the things I was going to ask you is, like, you know, how does it feel to, to wear that of the first? But what I'm hearing you saying is that by learning about the the Moravian mission, by learning about the the classical music history, I should say, the classic classical music history of the of the Labrador Inuit of the um, Inunatsia boat, you're realizing you're not the first. Yes, I am the first professional, yeah. you know, at this time. But yeah. Labrador Inuit were playing and singing classical music in Inuktitut for centuries. Um, so early in my career, you know, when I was a university student and uh, I became recognized as the first Inuk classical singer uh, in Canada, uh, a lot of people asked, oh, my gosh, so you're an Inuit opera singer. What's Inuit opera? Yeah. And I would say, well, n- no, I'm, I'm Inuk and uh, this is the music that I sing. Yeah. Um, and people would always kind of go, hmm, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, and, they wanted something else. And usually yeah, the yeah. next question was, do you throat sing? And right. I'd say, well, no, I'm a classical singer. Right. I didn't grow up with the tradition of throat singing. Right. Um, which is an incredible, mm-hmm. an incredible tradition. Um, so when I first got this music this sacred Inuktitut music, and I realized this is the music for me. Mm. Um, it just made so much more sense to 
pursue more of a performing career because I just wanted to share that history and that part of my story as far and wide as I could, and I still continue to do so. Now, I do want to add that, of course, when the missionaries came, they banned the sacred traditions of throat singing and drum dancing, and that uh, is tragic. Thankfully, those traditions have been revived and celebrated, um, I have learned a little bit of throat singing myself. Not not <laughs> not good enough to uh, perform it yet. I don't believe, uh, but it's something I'm interested in. And to me, the important part of this music history is that yes, the Inuit learned this classical music and they performed it in church and in at community events, but they made it their own. They did something else with it. And that, to me, shows this beautiful, amazing agency. It's worth worth, um, very much worth saying and and beautifully said. Have you performed in Hopedale? Have you? Yes. Yes. Uh, We recorded, um, when I say we, uh, Dr. Gordon and uh, the Suncor String Quartet and Inishmara uh, Vocal Ensemble, um, we recorded an album called Pilori Put Inuit Inuktitut Arias for All Seasons in 2015. Right. And on that album, I sing some of the arias in Inuktitut as solos, but I also sang duets with the late Mr. Kari Obed, who was the lead tenor in the uh, Nain Church Choir for decades. He was the leader of the brass band. He was a teacher, a tradition bearer, and an incredible, incredible human being with a huge heart and one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. Um, And it was an incredibly moving experience. Uh, I never felt so in tune with a duet partner. And it was interesting to feel and hear how our voices blended. Just naturally. It was something I will never forget. And so after we released the CD, we toured it through Nunatsiavut. And the first place we performed or shared this music was in Hopedale, in the church that my father grew up in. And this was my first time in Hopedale since I was a toddler. Mm. And I remember thinking while I sang that Messiah aria that... My feet, I I felt very grounded, Mm -hmm. and I was very conscious of the fact that my dad, as a little boy, sat in that church with his parents Mm -hmm. and his siblings, and I felt like I was vibrating on a higher level. I felt really um, in tune with the energy all around me. And that might sound strange, but it felt uh, absolutely joyful and peaceful at the same time. 
you felt um, something. Absolutely. In that church where, you, where your father father yeah. was singing singing those songs yeah. that he would have heard. So that was one of the most meaningful uh, performances of my life. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. More of my conversation with the soprano Deantha Edmonds coming up. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm DeLon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. You're in the middle of my conversation with Deantha Edmonds. Deantha Edmonds is Canada's first Inuk professional classical soprano. She was just named a member of the Order of Canada. What a chat we've been having. Uh, We've been talking about the forgotten classical music tradition of the Labrador Inuit, the complexities and nuances around why that tradition exists in the first place, traveling up to sing in the church her dad went to when he was a little boy. And this part of our conversation starts off with me asking her a little bit about this other big moment in her life. As I mentioned, Deantha is Inuit and the first Inuk professional classical soprano. And one time she was singing at the Frankfurt Book Festival, and she found herself singing in front of Mary Simon, who's the first Inuk governor general of Canada. So that's where we pick things up. Take a listen. You end up singing, is it at the Frankfurt Book fair for yes. the current governor general, Mary Simon, who you mentioned is very, you know, very meaningful to you. Yes. Um, she, she's Canada's first you know, governor general. Did you talk afterwards after you sang for her? We sang, we talked beforehand, actually, uh, at the red carpet and um, realized that we had met before uh, in Utkiagavik, Alaska, when I sang at the opening of the Inuit, uh, in, Inuit Circumpolar Council mm. um uh, a few years before that, and she also told me that we are related, uh, which I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize, but you know, it's it's distant, yeah. but uh, but still quite lovely. Um, and what was most meaningful about singing at the opening of the Frankfurt Book Fair? At the opening of the book fair um, was that Canada was the guest country of honor, and to have the honor of opening the entire book fair, singing in Inuktitut in Germany was incredible. What did you sing? Uh, I sang Samatikut Yisusi, which is still traditionally sung um, in some of the churches on the North Coast uh, on New Year's Eve and the uh, church anniversary festival. It's, it's a very special special piece. I actually uh, sang it also in the Pope's presence in Iqaluit um, when he uh, apologized to Inuit residential school survivors. (laughs) 
You sang it in in, in front of him uh, mm-hmm. uh, as he did that. I mean, very famous apology. Yes. H- how did that feel? That was uh, also a powerful moment. Um, to be there at that important time in history, which some Inuit worked for decades oh. to make happen, um, and how important that that apology did happen. To know that it was bringing peace to the people who really needed that and wanted that, and to be able to use my voice to as a kind of a bomb, not B O. MB. B-A-L-M, I got you. <laughs> um, I felt very special and I felt very honored. Yeah. I know that there were uh, many mixed feelings yeah. about the entire event, mm-hmm. but I felt very proud to be part of it. It's, it's, it's sort of hard to it's hard to summarize your your story a little bit you know what I mean like um, everything you told me that there's, there's been these sort of like twists and, and and turns that all feel sort of meant to be like it feels like there's there's a path sort of paved for you that you're just you're nodding as I'm saying that mm-hmm. by the way you, you feel that yeah. way sometimes yeah I absolutely do and that's why I named my uh, first original album connections yeah because I started looking at the path uh, my life has taken over the past few decades, well, my entire life, and connecting the dots and thinking, my goodness, how beautiful this life is and how important it is to hold on to those connections, to recognize them, to be open to them, to recognize them and to embrace them. Because it these connections, these people that we meet throughout our lives, whether it's for minutes or decades, this helps shape who we are and can take us in a new direction. One of the things that you received the membership to the um, Order of Canada is for your musicianship, for your advocacy, and for your, for your, for your mentorship, uh, especially to young musicians, to, to young Indigenous musicians. Mm-hmm. What's the after everything you've sort of gone through and everything you sort of lived through and experienced? What's what's the piece of advice you find yourself most often giving them, besides you know, stay in tune? <laughs> I never say that. Have breath support. <laughs> uh, to me, what's most important to impart to young musicians, um, indigenous and non-indigenous, uh, not just young musicians, anybody. It's to um, take really good care of yourself really take good care of yourself um, in every way. Be true to who you are. Um, Don't let anybody change that. Try to surround yourself with people who uplift you and support you and love you for everything that makes you you. Um, And never stop working at what you love. Um, So... Sometimes it's easier to say those things, you know, when we're going through difficult times, when we're having troubled relationships or um, come to a, a crossroads and we're not quite sure where to go. It's hard to to uh, just say, oh, you know, yeah. to be positive yeah. or, you know, something like that. It's but annoying. To, yes, to, it is really. It is really. It is really hurtful. Yeah. 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 Um, but if you can really. Be in touch with your own, with your own, um, your core of who you are and 
have that love for yourself, then um, it will carry you through. And I talk a lot about love in my work and in my writing and my composing, but it's because that is what we all need more of. No matter who you are, no matter what your walk of life is, we all need more love for ourselves, for each other, yeah. for our planet. It is, it is everything. No matter how long, how near, how far, led by Sister Sun or the North Star, you will be found with seeing you home, your beautiful spirit not left to roam. Sister, I feel you. That is the singer Deantha Edmonds with a, a composition of hers called Legacy, which she wrote for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. It's from her album Connections, which is out now. Deantha was just made a member of the Order of Canada. This upcoming weekend, Deantha will be performing in St. John's with the Newfoundland and Labrador Sinfonia. One of the pieces she'll be performing is another of her own compositions, Angnalokisa. If you're not in St. John's, you'll be able to stream that concert online starting January 21st at NSO Music. Uh, the other conversation we have up on, on our podcast today is uh, a conversation with one of the most acclaimed Canadian visual artists of our time, Marcel Dezama. Let me see how to put this. Marcel Dezama is seen very much as like the new contemporary wave of Canadian visual art, especially when, when he started out. And um, he grew up as an artist sort of thinking of the group of seven, which is sort of like the, you know, the, old, the old school of Canadian art, thinking they were pretty uncool. Uh, now that he's a bit older, he's starting to realize a new appreciation for Tom Thompson in the Group 7. He'll be here to tell you a little bit about that. All right, we'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.